episode nine of the Soul Care Podcast. My name is Dave Cummings and I'll be your host. Today we're going to talk about mindfulness. Mindfulness is really a, a strategy for clearing up our thoughts, getting rid of a lot of the clutter so that we can focus on one thing at a time, so that we can um, think more clearly, feel more clearly, and uh, so we can be more present in the moment. If, if there's a good definition of mindfulness, it's this idea of intentionally being present right here, right now. If you think about it, you, you might realize that we tend to spend a lot of our time dwelling in the past or looking ahead to the future. And reality is the past no longer exists. I'm not denying that it did exist, but it doesn't exist anymore. And the future has not yet existed. And so we tend to spend a lot of our mental time camped out in the past or camped out in what we think the future might be. And it turns out that's not exactly good for us. It turns out that when we spend a lot of time just sort of parked in the past, there's a real tendency to gravitate towards the negative. And chances are it's by design. Chances are we gravitate towards the negative when we think about the past for the sake of learning so that we don't make the same mistakes again, right? We don't want to continue to run out into traffic without looking. And so after making that mistake, our, our minds go back to the past to learn from that. And hopefully we don't do that again. But the reality is that we don't, <clears throat> we don't um, learn a lot from the past by staying there, by replaying the old tapes again and again and again and again. So what I want to really encourage you to do is to make intentional trips back into the past so that you can learn, so that you can grow, and, um, and so if, if repentance is necessary, so that you can process things, so we can process emotions and understand ourselves better but always coming back to the present moment. Imagine you've got maybe like a big bungee cord tied around your waist, and every now and then, with a plan in mind, you allow yourself to journey from the present moment back into the past to deal with stuff, um, to deal with negative things, to learn from those negative things, to grow, to process your thoughts and emotions. Um, also to go to the past to, to, uh, to reminisce. Reminiscing is really good for us, particularly if you're reminiscing with someone that shares some of those same memories with you. Let me warn you about reminiscing, and you've probably seen this before. Reminiscing can kind of lead to being a nostalgic person. It can even go so far as to, to um, tricking us into discontentment over the present moment, thinking that somehow the past was so much better. And maybe in some cases, some things were better in the past. But that's where acceptance needs to come in. That's where we need to realize that we have to accept that the past is the past. It is behind us now. And the present is what we have to work with. And we need to make the most of the present now. So when you're when you're reaching back into the past, you're journeying back into the past in your mind in order to reminisce, be fully aware of uh, whether or not discontentment is being stirred up in you, whether you're beginning to think, oh, if only things were still like that, or oh, I wish things could be like that. That's not healthy for us. That's sort of, it's almost a, almost an envy, almost a form of envy, looking back on our own past and wishing things were still the way that they are. And in reality, things are often very different today than they were in uh, whatever 
past we're looking at. And, and you probably know as well as anyone that we tend to look at the past, uh, the a lot of the positives um, from the past, uh, maybe a place you used to live, maybe a relationship you used to have, maybe when the kids were younger and you don't remember the horrible weather in the place you used to live. You've just sort of blocked that out and it's always summertime and green and it's always Saturday and you have the day off and you're not working so hard. And um, <clears throat> we, we kind of fool ourselves. Uh, and same with relationships, same with looking back on when the kids were young, you know, when they were babies, we see their pictures and, oh, we miss it so much. And we forget how hard it was. We forget the late nights and the sleeplessness and the frustration of not knowing what's going on and the fears and worries about the child. So <clears throat> I really want to encourage you to, when you do go back in the past, have a plan and be very aware of how you're feeling and, and what you're there for and when you've accomplished what you were there for and then bring yourself gently, intentionally back to the present moment. And really that's a lot of what mindfulness is about is, is being aware of the present moment and its, its most important role in your mind. Now, Many people don't spend all their time in the past. If you're like me, I tend to spend more time mentally thinking about the future. And that's uh, that's kind of a two-sided coin, right? There's a, there's a gift to that. It means I can be a little more visionary. I can plan and strategize and, and maybe uh, foresee problems down the road in a particular direction we're going and try to get around those or work a plan. Um, but there's also a, a negative side to that. Uh, people who dwell in the past often struggle with depression. Uh, regret tends to come up, and depression often is the result. Also, if you tend to deal with depression, you may just be drawn to the past. And so there's kind of a feedback loop there. With the future, it's not so much depression as it is anxiety. Uh, when we spend more time in the future than in the present, we worry more. We think about what could go wrong. And if you already have a propensity for anxiety like I do, maybe you start to catastrophize. You start to think about all the horrible things that could go wrong. And in your mind, they, they definitely will go wrong. And so fear tends to well up and we worry. And sometimes that fear and worry keeps us locked thinking about the future. And thinking about the future has value, just like going to the past has value. But remember that bungee cord wrapped around your waist. Go mentally into the future to plan, to strategize, to make good choices, to foresee problems, etc. But then come back. Don't bring your tent and sleeping bag and just camp out there. Don't park the car there, whatever metaphor you want to use. You don't want to live there just like you don't want to live in the past. The only place that really exists right now, the only time that really exists right now is right now. And so this needs to be your anchoring point right now. So you make journeys into the future for good reasons, to make plans, to um, prepare for potential problems, etc. But then you always come back to the here and now. So how do you come back to the here and now? What are ways to really anchor yourself right here, right now in the moment? Well, uh, there are informal ways to do it. I think these informal ways are some of the best and most important. Throughout your day, you don't have to have time set aside for this. Just as often as you remember, train yourself to bring your attention back to the moment. Uh, right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm sitting in my daughter's room. My leg is itching and I'm noticing that. And I'm looking out uh, her window into our backyard. Uh, it's a bright, sunny day with blue skies, which is really uh, striking right now because the last few days we've had heavy thunderstorms and gray skies and it's been pretty gloomy. Um, there's a, a neighbor's 
tree, evergreen tree that's bright green against the, the blue sky. It's really quite beautiful. And I'm taking some of those things in as I sit here. You can do that too throughout your day. The, the best way that I've found in an informal sense, moment by moment throughout your day, to anchor yourself in the here and now is through your five senses. Right? Your five senses in some ways are competing with your brain. Your brain likes to wander to the past or wander into what it thinks the future is going to be. And we can say, hey, wait a minute, brain, let's notice the information we're getting from our five senses. And your eyes are going to be, if they work well, they're going to be uh, the, the biggest so, a source of information for you, right? Colors, textures, beautiful contrasts, uh, whatever it is you see around you, taking notice of all those details. I was talking recently with a friend who's an artist, and uh, he brought up the, the idea that observing art is a mindful practice, meaning it's a practice that brings you right into the moment, helps you to focus, trains you to focus on little details, and uh, keeps you from being camped out in the past that doesn't exist in the future that doesn't exist yet. And I'd never thought about art that way. I'm not an artist. I'm not an artsy person, but I'm really learning. I have a daughter who's in art school and I'm really uh, beginning to open my eyes to a lot of these things. And I thought that was just really insightful, observing art as a form of mindfulness. Um, there are many other things you can do also with your other senses besides looking at what's around you or looking at art, for example. Uh, you can work with your hands. Working with your hands is such, such a good way to be mindful and in the moment. My wife, Anne, loves to crochet. It's her mindful activity. It brings her into the moment as she sits on the couch or in her chair, crocheting and, and creating these intricate patterns with her hands, she has to be fully engaged in that. And it's so good for her to do that. And I can see that when she's crocheting, she's much more relaxed and really enjoying things. And when she doesn't get to, to crochet, she takes it out on me. No, I'm kidding. She doesn't take it out on me. But when she doesn't get to crochet, she might get a little bit more antsy and, and I can tell she needs to crochet. Um, for me, my, my daily um, hobby, if you will, where I get to work with my hands is, is in the garage. Part of the garage is set up as a wood shop, and I get to go out to the wood shop and make sawdust, as my stepdad likes to say. Uh, you know, whether it's for an intentional project or just cutting up scraps to fit into the scrap bin or whatever it is that, uh, that I need to do, being out there working with my hands, being fully engaged in the moment is really beneficial to me and I can feel the difference uh, when I have time each day to engage in something like working in my shop. A few times a year my my real love is to get out and fly fish. Uh, I love hiking and fly fishing includes a lot of hiking. I love water. Um, I love being in the water and fly fishing uh, usually you're actually wading in the water uh, and, and there's no way to fly fish and be lost in thought, uh, at least not for me. Uh, you've got to be thinking about not getting swept away by the river. You've got to think about uh, currents and where fish might be, where you might see fish, what insects are coming off the water, what fly patterns you want to use, time of day, water temperature, the angle of the sun, where sh uh, shades and shadows are starting to creep in all kinds of interesting things. It's fully, fully engaging. And it is so life-giving to me to be so engaged in the moment. So I wanna ask you, what do you have that can engage you in the moment? And if you don't have something that engages you in the moment, what could you start doing? Could you crochet? Could you uh, work on wood projects? 
Could you paint or draw? Uh, or could you simply get uh, uh, really involved in appreciating art so that you're fully in the moment when you're appreciating that art and learning about the art? and so on. Uh, there's just an endless list of ways you could engage your, your hands, your eyes, your ears, um, uh, your, your taste buds if you love to cook. Wow, cooking is such a great mindful activity because not only do you get to use your eyes, your ears, and your hands, but it en- engages your sense of smell and your sense of taste. All five of your senses are wrapped up in cooking. Why not try cooking if you don't have a good hobby, so to speak, that uh, allows you to be mindful, to be present in the moment? So lots of ways to practice mindfulness informally. And the more we practice it when you're doing Things that may not matter as much, like, you know, cleaning the bathroom or washing the dishes or driving to work. There's a place that we often uh, go mindless, right? We go to the past or we go to the future, switch our brains off. But how much safer would it be if we uh, if we were mindful and aware as we're driving? Most of us aren't. Um, but we have all these informal practices. And when we, when we do these informal practices on a daily basis, what's nice is when mindfulness really matters, like you're in conversation with someone. Um, and you want to be present in the moment, you don't want your mind drifting, you now have the discipline skills to do that. You've trained yourself to be able to bring your attention to that moment, whether it's for a few seconds, a few minutes, a few hours, you've got the skills to be able to do that. Uh, As a Christian, I find that it's very valuable to train myself in mindfulness so that when I am in worship, for example, my mind wanders less. Or when I am reading scripture, my mind wanders less. Or if it's late at night and I'm reading scripture, I'm less likely to fall asleep. Um, If I'm in prayer, how often have you been in prayer and your mind just wanders and you go, oh, sorry, Lord, and you come back to where you were at, right? Um, How, what a what a wonderful gift. How beautiful to have the staying power to be in the moment with God in worship, in reading scripture, in prayer. And so these mindfulness practices really train us up and give us the skills and the endurance really to be present in the moment, not only with other people, not only with the things that we're engaged in that we enjoy or that are important for us to be engaged in, but also with God. And when we're spending time with God, it's just such a such a blessing to be able to do that. So I want you to think about maybe incorporating some some of these informal mindfulness practices into your daily living and see how they spill over into these other areas, particularly relationships uh, with people and with God. Now, when people think of mindfulness, often they think of formal mindfulness practices. And the most common formal mindfulness practice is what's called mindfulness meditation. I want to talk a little bit about mindfulness meditation, what meditation is, some of its roots. There are myths, there are concerns. Um, Probably the biggest objection I hear to mindfulness meditation, or really to meditation of any kind, is that, well, isn't that Buddhist? Doesn't that have Buddhist roots? Well, I'm not going to have anything to do with, with Buddhism, right? I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, people have explained to me, well, you know, meditation is all about emptying your mind, and that's not what I want to do. I want to fill my mind with good things. Well, yes, let's just, let's just lay it out there, right? The elephant in the room is that um, Buddhism has done a great, great job of building meditation and mindfulness meditation into all that they do, but maybe not for the best purposes. don't mean to offend you if you're Buddhist, um, but emptying your mind for um, 
for Buddhist purposes, for achieving Zen or, or whatever those purposes uh, are, I'm not sure are as beneficial as a Christian view, honestly, about meditation. And, and let's be honest, meditation, Scripture talks lots about meditation. Meditation is not a four-letter word in Scripture, and so let's not make it a four-letter word in the church. And meditation practices go back at least a couple thousand years, if not longer, uh, within the church, right? A couple thousand years ago when Jesus came, Christians were in, involved in various forms of meditation. They've been a very important part of discipline and worship since that time. And uh, um, I don't know for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Jewish tradition also has meditation practices that precede the coming of Christ. So, Let's not be afraid of meditation, but let's understand what it is, what it isn't, what its goals are, and let's have some purpose for it like anything else, right? So yes, Buddhists have done some meditation and uh, they've promoted it and a lot of meditation practices are based on Buddhist wisdom and Buddhist practices. But as I've always said, if Buddhists were the first to discover pizza, I'd still be eating pizza. Um, I don't want to give them right to something that's good for me just because they were the first to get to it possibly. Uh, and, but, and let's not forget that there's a Christian history here as well. And as a, as a medical scientist, right, um, if, you, if this is the first time you've joined us, then maybe you don't know that uh, I have a PhD in microbiology. I specialize in infectious diseases and the genetics of infectious diseases. And so as a biomedical scientist, I can tell you that I've been diving into the biomedical literature on this. And there is growing and solid support for um, meditation, particularly mindfulness meditation practices, as being very good for our brains and our bodies. One of the themes that, that you'll hear in this podcast throughout is that our brains and our bodies are very intimately connected, much more so than I ever imagined until I had some of my own experiences of being physically ill and ultimately discovering that it was due to anxiety and depression. And so now I, I'm much more aware of the idea that what happens in our brain doesn't just stay in our brain. It leaks over into our bodies. Sometimes it floods over into our bodies. If you're dealing with some physical ailments that are difficult to diagnose or to pinpoint, uh, maybe go to your psych department and find out if there's a, a potential psychological explanation for it. That has absolutely changed my life, to be honest with you. So we know, for example, that mindfulness meditation practices alleviate stress. And by alleviating stress, we can alleviate some of the symptoms of depression and some of the symptoms of anxiety. We also know that regular mindfulness meditation practices can build resilience. And what I mean by that is the ability to tolerate more stress without it breaking you. Uh, would anybody out there like that? I would sure like that because I don't think the stressors are going to stop in life. I might be able to minimize some and uh, be better about boundaries and do a better job of, of keeping some stressors out of my life. But reality is some pretty big stressors, pretty big struggles and challenges are, are bound to, to come our way. And how great to have the resilience to deal with those, to not break under those pressures and to bounce back to a healthy place again quickly after uh, those, those stressors have been dealt with. And it turns out that mindfulness meditation uh, is good for building resilience. In fact, there seems to be general agreement in the secular biomedical world that mindfulness meditation, regular mindfulness meditation practices are equally effective to most medication practices or to most um, talk therapy 
practices. So it doesn't mean that it should necessarily replace those things, but how great to work in with those things if those are part of what you do. Um, along with exercise and eating right and sleeping right, mindfulness meditation can be a really wonderful adjunct to your overall mental and emotional health. So um, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. I want to I wanna share with you a five-minute um, mindfulness meditation. And it turns out that it's a lot easier to go through a mindfulness meditation if someone is guiding you, if someone is talking you through it. So when I'm done recording this, I'll get this posted for you. And then immediately after, I'm going to post a five-minute mindfulness meditation just to introduce you to the practice. And I want to encourage you to listen to it. Take five minutes and uh, see how it feels. Ask yourself when you're done, how does that feel? How do I feel? Is this something I'm comfortable with? And do I want to try more? And if you like it, let me know if you like it for one thing, because if it's popular enough, I can record several more at different lengths um, with uh, different approaches. Um, but also, if you like it, you can find others out there. Uh, many healthcare systems on their websites have them. I know uh, kp.org, Kaiser Permanente, has some. I don't know if you have to be a Kaiser member or not, but um, there are a variety of them out there. And I also want to mention uh, there are many apps. Uh, one app that I've found that I like is called Headspace. Um, the guy's got a cool British accent. Something about that is calming. Um, and it, it's, he's got several different uh, short meditations in there that uh, just let you quiet your mind, quiet the busyness and the noise, and anchor yourself right here and right now by focusing on your breathing. Again, you're focusing on, on your five senses, the sensation of breathing. It brings you into the right here and right now. And as often as your mind wanders to the future or the past, you bring it back to your breathing process is really, really useful. I find it very calming, either in the moment or if I'm doing it on a regular basis. Uh, I find it to be just overall calming and resilience building. So check out Headspace. As you check out these, these different um, meditations and mind, guided meditations, guided mindfulness practices, you know, be aware, be discerning. If you find one that's kind of hokey-dokey, just go ahead and move on until you find one that you're comfortable with. If you find one where the person's voice is grating, uh, that, that might not be the most restful thing for you to be listening to. So find one or two or five that you really like and uh, give them a try see what you think. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, my email address is david at davidedwardcummings.com. You can also find me through my website, davidedwardcummings.com. On that site, you can find a variety of useful resources, videos, blogs, um, all of these, uh, all of these soul care podcasts are linked on there as well. There's a video-based Bible study that's completely free, six sessions, along with a workbook. Um, a variety of resources. And if you like what you see there, go to the subscribe page and leave me your email address and you'll get uh, approximately once a week a very short mental health reminder. Uh, over 500 people are on that list now and it's growing fast. I'd love to add your, your name to that list. And then of course, if you don't like it, you just click unsubscribe and, uh, and you won't hear from me again unless you seek me out. So anyway, I hope this has been interesting, insightful. I hope it's been informative to you if you weren't familiar with mindfulness before. And if I've piqued your interest, when you're done with this, go on to the next podcast, which will be a five-minute mindfulness meditation. God bless you guys. I'm praying for peace and calmness and love and joy and contentment, especially this Christmas season for you. God bless. Okay.